Hey, welcome to my basement, everybody. Hello, How's Blake Sievkin. Hi, Vic. How's it going? Welcome uh, to uh, back to Vic's basement. It's so it's been Happy a busy be week for us. You know, uh, we, we came busy, back busy couple of weeks. Yeah, we came back from our uh, our road trip, and uh, we kind of hit the ground running with uh, a whole bunch of content this week. Yeah, it wasn't really a road trip though, so much as it was a flying through the air, Fly, a flying trip, an airplane like trip. Superman, right? On right. all these airplanes, it's a figure of speech, Blake. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. So I'm just there's it's just an oh. expression. All right, but we've had a busy week, and there's been a ton going on, and uh, you've been uh, busy writing and cutting and, uh, and prepping a whole bunch of rundowns for us. I have. And, uh, you know, I want to do something here that I haven't been able to do, and that's basically uh, give a nice big shout-out to our friends uh, at BCIT uh, who have provided us with some really fantastic people the last few weeks to help us out with uh, uh, a lot of uh, production and uh, post-production. Um, and uh, it's Bear and Carlo right now, and Alec uh, before that. So this was these were all students that came and worked with uh, worked with us here at EP to kind of see what we were doing, see how we were kind of transitioning to our digital stuff, and uh, help us out with uh, with content. And they've been doing a fantastic job. In fact, Bear and Carlo were cutting a lot of the rundowns while we were yeah. traveling through all the uh, rundowns from England when, when you were in England and, and Europe. And in uh, oh, yeah, and, and in Warsaw, uh, Warsaw yeah. as well, yes, and in Ireland. Uh, so you know, we left uh, we left them to run the candy store, and they did a great job. And they didn't still, eat all the candy. They're still here. They're still helping us out, and uh, <laughs> and it's just been cool. It's been really fun, and I hope that they've been uh, having an okay time uh, with the fact that we keep disappearing on them and sending them footage. <laughs> and we're going to be disappearing next week because yeah. EA just announced today that they're going to be unveiling the next Battlefield game. Yes. I don't know if they've said it's Battlefield 5 or they're just saying the next Battlefield. Yeah, who so knows it what it's going to be. something else. It might be called Battlefield... Universe. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Ba- Battlefield uh, Saga. Well, we were having a big discussion yeah. about the... Uh, so we're going to be in San Francisco next week at that unveiling event. Yeah. Which I'm very excited for because I love San Francisco. Oh, it's going to be a ton of fun. And there might be uh, one or two other things that we might be able to hit while we're down there, too, because it just seems like every time we visit, it seems like there's... Uh, it's a big city. A lot of things happening there, There's at a the lot, same time. a lot of game developers on that tiny little peninsula. Yep. So Absolutely. Yeah. So it's going to be fun, and we'll have uh, reports. But we were talking before we started shooting here that... Uh, uh, you know the games industry is rapidly changing. Obviously, this uh, 4.5 uh, PlayStation, the 4K PlayStations, and PlayStation the, new, Neo. the Xbox One revision oh, by the rumors way, sir, are in there. Before you go on chat, let me know if the audio is bad. Oh yeah, again as yes. always. Yes, keep us posted. I, I can adjust. I have the technology to make adjustments. But so please uh, keep us informed. Because of all of these different changes, and obviously we talk about this all the time on the show about uh, free to play kind of <clears throat> taking a lot of people's attention and time away. Uh, from the kind of traditional idea of what we know around the video game industry. And we're going to get to a bunch of these upheavals. I mean, Nintendo's announcements this week were kind of shocking in a bunch of different ways. But uh, but one of the things that is, um, at least in my mind, becoming something that would not be a shock is for a company like EA to say, well, we're, we're going off of the yearly console cycle on... Um, on a shooter franchise like Battlefield, and we're going to create Battlefield Universe, and it's going to be uh, an MMO, or a, a massive multiplayer shooter. This is pure speculation. Pure speculation, but I'm I'm waiting for that shoe to drop with both Call of Duty and with Battlefield, yeah. where it will be a not because subscription base, but a perpetual thing that keeps machine. A pl- yes. a, basically a digital platform in and of itself that totally. keeps getting updated. That's actually a really smart idea because if you look at games like The Witcher 3 mm-hmm. or GTA Online, 
the ones that are constantly updated and Rocket League, I was just playing uh, hoops today, the basketball mode. Yeah. The games that are constantly updated every couple of months with a little bit of new content have a consistent user base. The community never dies. Yeah. Whereas games that are very front loaded where you get all the content in the first couple of months, it's popular when it comes out, but then it dies off and then a year and a half later no one's playing it any- anymore. Well, which I mean, sucks if it's an online it game. It really I mean, all of this stuff is sort of changing and transitioning right before our eyes, and I could see something like that happen. Microsoft just, I think, went live today with uh, Forza 6 Apex, which is the uh, free-to-play version of Forza for the... Uh, First Win- Forza on the PC. Yeah, Windows 10 platform. And they, they've said, actually, going forward, all of the Forza games are going to be simultaneous Xbox and PC uh, Windows 10 right. releases, which so, I think is smart. So, uh, and But they haven't said yet if they're going to be the same price. No. So this one's free-to-play, Apex. Maybe that's what they're going to transition to with but with that franchise as well. I mean, I, could, I, I, I just feel like the, the business is saying we can't just let League of Legends and Dota and Warcraft and some of these other players that are out there sort of consume audiences en masse like that. Yeah. You know, even the, uh, uh, what is that, Clash Royale that's happening right now. There's p- taking a lot of people's time and money and energy and, and full audiences away. And I can see that these big shooters would do that. And I could see that the big sports games and, would And it do seems that. like a smart way to try to emulate that free-to-play model for right. mobile games. Because let's face it, mobile game free-to-play is killing it right now. Yeah. Whereas if you did what we're talking about in a big game, yeah. you could have these paid updates that people could buy. Well, you, you know, when you think then, of, then it, you have that constant revenue revenue flowing in right. like a free to play game, but it's not cheap and manipulative and exploitative the yes. way a free to play game. Well, we're not going to just talk about free to play today, but the uh, there is one thought that I've had about sports games in general for a long time is why haven't the you know Electronic Arts specifically? I mean, I, I know that there's a traditional audience to placate right now, and and I don't know. I, I would estimate that uh, the audience numbers. On, a, on an install base may not be going up every year with every iteration of the basketball and the, and the hockey and football and stuff like that. Uh, but what, do, what does go up are all of the digital asset purchases that are starting to happen. But I, I can see a future where, you know, EA delivers these things as seasons on a free-to-play level with built-in advertising and built-in uh, purchasable unlockables as well. Yep. And I can see that be becoming enormously successful on console and PC it, it, and it makes more sense. Mac everywhere. It makes more spe- sense for a sports game to do that yeah. as opposed to a Call of Duty game. Right. Because a Call of Duty game might have a completely different story set in a completely different universe. Whereas a sports game, it's basically the same game every year with a new roster. So think, why not just let us buy that new roster? I think people would go for ads and like full television broadcast style ads in the middle of periods and... And cuts to break in in a uh, in, in, in a sports in game. a sports game. In a yeah, sports I think game they it would work because we're used to seeing <clears throat> commercials in a sports game. But I don't want to see a commercial in my Grand Theft Auto or Battlefield game. That mm-hmm. would drive me nuts. Unless it was like I was playing Battlefront, right? And there was a Star Wars trailer. Okay. Maybe I would put up with that. Okay. Well, let's. But the whole game is essentially a Star Wars trailer, anyway, so that's kind of pointless at that point. <laughs> there. there which uh, Battlefront? Yeah, it's a, it's an advertisement for Star Wars. That's why it exists. Well, it feels like every game is an advertisement for its season pass yeah, these yeah. days, right? Well, and that's for true. Itself I mean, and, let's face it; these yeah. games are all made to make money. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Right. It's a for-profit industry. Well, let's talk about more free-to-play uh, madness because we were obviously in Warsaw for the World of Tanks uh, Grand Finals, 
and oh, yeah. uh, right. that's a free to play game too. That's course, free to play. Yeah. It's a monster, totally and it was uh, it was kind of crazy to see the uh, the epic scale of the production that uh, Wargaming put on for the event, um, and also to see how many people lined up. Lots of families went there. There were actually quite a few women in the audience, which was kind of interesting. Yep. Not a very emotional crowd. I think the most emotional person in the in the arena was Jose. That, that who was might, I don't able know. To do be like a human air horn. I don't for know a big if we can. Of it. Well, he actually had a. This is. A, I'll go. I'll make a digression here. Jose had an app on his phone, like making an air horn noise. Yeah. And he had a speaker that we got in our swag bags of <laughs> yes. free stuff from the. So he had one of those little portable iPhone speakers, and he had it in his backpack. So he would press the thing on his phone, and it would make a really loud. But he, he didn't speaker. even need it. He was he yeah. was go, going through the whole. Week. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, all weekend long. It was nuts. But no, and but so every but, but, every every uh, Polish person there watching was, was just like at looking at Jose. But, but with regards to with the audience, guy? with regards to the audience not being into it, I don't know if we can say that's an esports thing in general, or maybe that's a Polish thing. Yeah, like, what well, they got Polish into people, it though. Maybe they, maybe Polish people in general are just more restrained than. Westerners yeah, I mean, like it, us. it looked like they're a little frowny. Face. I've never been to Poland before, so I don't know if that's just. But they were like, "I'm having a good time," you know. Okay. But they were still having a good time. We like this. this uh, is very but, good. <laughs> but at the end of it, everybody was screaming and freaking out. And I got to tell you, like, it was boring the pants off me for the initial rounds. You know, I was excited about the idea uh, of all yeah. of these international teams. But that that's every competition. They got to get the crap out of the, the boring stuff out. You got to eat your greens so, before you get the the, sure, good, the candy. That idea. first day. That's what it felt like. It felt like I was eating like bowls and bowls of broccoli sprouts and sort of getting educated with the uh, the esports uh, coverage of uh, World of Tanks. Um, and there were lots of technical kind of like let's reset everybody's PC up again before every match. And so I was really getting into sleepy time. Which, in that, which like, I can sympathize seven. with. Yeah. Because we have a hard enough time with this one little camera and one little streaming computer. Yeah, we understand. And that. and so with this big beautiful production that probably costs I don't know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, with you know all the dozens of computers and lights and jibs and all this other stuff. Like, yeah, I can forgive them a few technical mishaps. It's something that happens. But it, you know, it felt like. And listen, I got into it, and yeah. by the end by, of by the, the match, end, espe- especially the last match, because yeah. it, we there were the two teams, and it went right to the last game. It was best out of thirteen, and we could so tell it was going to be those. It went two. right to the yeah, and it went, early in the game, like we knew they were the. They best couldn't have players. written it better. Yeah. It went right to the last game, and it was the two best teams in the world head yeah. to head, and it came down to two tanks, and it was like everybody was on the edge of their seat. I was in the audience in the in the front in the press area filming it, yeah, because I had to get there and push everyone out of my way. So I was front and center. Um, but yeah, and everybody, Canada. everybody was just like, <laughs> I was actually there before everyone, and other people tried to like. Oh muscle. yeah, for sure, they wanted that, your shot. That yeah. happens at every, every yeah. when you're a cameraman, you you learn they how want to your deal shot. With that. Yeah. yeah, but everybody it, yeah, wants was, your shot. It was a nail biter, and it was uh, a mistake. I think Apple Wow was the guy, the infamous mistake where he yeah. slid down a and mountain and his tank got. <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> and so the way the reason they lost. The, 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 and the other team won is because dude slid down the mountain and his tank was upside down and yeah. the other guy just waited them out. Yeah. And Jose actually asked the winners about that. How does it feel winning in, in such a weird way? And they said, yeah, it, was, it felt weird. And you can watch that on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah, and that, self-promotion it, right there. But, but it was it was cool. It was, a, it was a cool sort of wrap on the whole experience. But I would say that there, it was too much. It was like getting the whole World of Tanks buffet kind of tilted and down into your gullet, you know? And I feel like <laughs> uh, with esports in general, and I, I don't know if other people feel this way, because honestly, this was my first live esports experience. I've watched a little bit over the internet and stuff like that, but I've never gone to one of these things. And I just feel like 
as this accelerates into uh, you know sort of more pop culture and and more consciousness for more people out there. Uh, I think they got to spread it out, man. I felt like at the end of it, it's like nobody would go to all of the NBA finals in in a weekend. You know, nobody would just sit down and watch six basketball games in a row and enjoy that experience. But but they didn't do all of this in one weekend. It was the the, the grand. They had finals events, all regional finals. The grand finals that we were at, though, were like nine hours on Saturday and another nine or ten hours on Sunday. That's too much. That's like watching two uh, double headers uh, on two days. I think if you're into it, and plus we had to be there all day because we were working. Yeah. There were people who were not there all day. Sure. Most of the audience would come in for a few hours, and, or if it was a match that they didn't care about, they could go into the lobby, and they had VR testing bays where you could play the game in VR. Right. So, you know, it's always different when we're there to work as because we have shit we have to do. Yes. And then the real people who are there can do whatever they want, so they probably have a better time than we do. You wrote us a nice list of other things to talk about here, yeah. which is awesome. Um, I, there's a couple things. We've talked about a lot of crap, and it's been like two minutes into this podcast. Yeah. Or does anybody have any questions yeah, for so us? There's, Hello, everyone. I, I, Thanks I, I, for joining us. There have been Rock. a few, a few uh, questions in the chat. Okay. Um, uh, with regards to our first thing we were talking about, Vaz Vegas says, uh, do you like how there aren't any more movie tie-in console games? No. Which we've discussed at length. But, I miss uh, those very much. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. I mean, the best we get is they'll release a Batman versus Superman pack in DC Universe Online. Yeah, or the car in Rocket League. Yeah, I mean, we don't get where is the big beautiful Batman versus Superman game? Yeah, I so mean, that I, I can beat the crap out of Superman and then stop when I find out that my mother has the same first name as him. Yeah, no, listen, I love the uh, that's good. I love the Lego games, and I love that Lego kind of does that job for us now. It's great to play the Lego Avengers, but it's weird that mm. that's the only way yeah, that that's you've been so able true. to play yeah. through Lego all is, of these Avengers movies. Except well, for same with Star Wars. There's Battlefront, but then other than Battlefront, it's pretty much just Lego Star Wars Now, games. right? Like, yeah, I mean, remember the great Captain America game that Next Level built for us? The pretty great Captain okay. America game. For movie games, it was exciting. But we need more of that stuff, man. I know that it's not going to happen because there's no free-to-play business model here that Supercell can rip us off with, uh, with a, the shot of a, a dude in the, in the uh, icon with his gritted teeth. But, uh, yeah, it's nuts. I want console experiences around these big movies. Yep. Yeah. I agree. So, I don't know. Do uh, you guys want Do you guys want that? I think everybody does. Yeah? Well, I'm assuming everybody at least one here, right? because they asked. All <laughs> six or seven of us want console games based on the uh, the big hit movies that we love. Hey, we got about 50 people watching across YouTube and oh, Twitch that's great. right now. Awesome. We're on YouTube and Twitch, by the way. That's awesome. And I'm monitoring both chats because I have the technology. We were away, I think, when the uh, Rogue One stuff oh yeah right like yeah maybe we had just talked about it and the the trailer had come out and then we took off no the trailer broke in because i remember watching it for the first first time in a restaurant in warsaw wow and being pissed because the wi-fi wasn't good enough so so. did you write the script and then i did it well we were were out there and we we talked about yeah we did a second a follow-up story about the trolls not liking it because oh yes 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 well uh people were talking about you know what we thought of it and uh i i can't be more excited about rogue one i think it's going to be so unbelievably cool it's kind of like really looking forward to it yeah it's kind of like what they've been able to do with the clone Wars show and the, the Star Wars Rebels show, although those are definitely kidified, but they've been able to kind of stretch out in some very clever, interesting, but still, you know, on, you know, sort of the notes of Star Wars kind of way, 
Uh, and now we're going to have all of these new characters and new ideas and new concepts that they're <coughs> able to thread through. I, I'm so psyched to see how they're going to tie some of that stuff to eight and nine as well. Mm, you know, they like, don't need there, to. there will be echoes of all of this. There, stuff. there will be, yeah. but I mean, at the most, they'll probably have Snoke in there because they right. need to pretend like he was there the whole time. Right, you know, he's not just some new thing that they invented. But we we touched about this briefly on a previous stream. I think we were t- in Star Fox Zero, but I'm really yeah. excited about it because I've always wanted to see the inner workings of the Empire. Yes. Like, you, the Star Wars main episode movies are all about not what they don't show you because it's focusing on this one family against the backdrop of all this stuff and they, they just sort yeah. of leave the backdrop to be implied. That's one of the coolest I've always things wanted about, to see. I want to see more too, but that's like, one of the coolest things about Force Awakens is we see the uh, ramifications of the of the, you know, sending these troopers out to slaughter a village, we see Boyega's character be affected yeah. by that. We've never seen that before. And we also see the... Uh, it's one of the reasons it's kind of not a really smart smart Star Wars movie. But I love that. And I also love the uh, the big scene where... Um, but that's not uh, where it the belongs. The screaming so Nazi guys up there getting, you know, basically yelling about having to destroy the... Uh, yeah, it was fine. The, that was awesome. But, like, I, I've always wanted to see stormtroopers go in and be racist and rough up. Like, I want to see them... Like, my favorite World War II documentaries are, are not about the war. It's yeah. about how the Nazis rose to power in Germany. Like, I find that much more interesting. Right. And so this is kind of uh, the Star Wars version of that. It's about the inner workings of the Empire and the rebels fighting them. And they're building this uh, weapon of mass destruction. And it, it looks great. And I really love the director, Gareth Edwards or Evans. Gareth, one of those two. Yeah. Um, I think the guy who, I always forget his name. I think he, it's Evans. Because there's Edwards who did um, the, the, the Raid. Uh, the Raid, But yes, yeah, Raid this Redemption. is the guy who made the Godzilla remake in 2014, <laughs> yep. which I really liked, and even monsters. though most people didn't. And he made Monsters. Even though I didn't like Monsters, I thought it was an interesting film, and I was excited to an, an interesting see what film he had. made for about 10000 bucks. Yes. Very, very worth seeing. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited about Rogue One. And the trailer only got me... I was, I was excited about it before the trailer, and yes. I'm more excited for it now that I've seen the trailer. And the other thing that I think hit while we were away, too, was Doctor Strange. We haven't been able to talk about that, so we've got yeah. a, a, you know, a, a buzz on a, a Phase 3 Marvel movie. I'm not a huge Doctor Strange <coughs> fan. I don't know all of the lore. I've never read the books. I've started to look through a few now digitally. This but whole deal is he's the mystical yeah. side of Marvel. Yes. Guardians of the Galaxy was the cosmic side. This is the mystical side. Well, I do love that it, it, You know, this opens up a whole new story direction. Um, I'm not crazy about uh, you know them changing some of the... Uh, the the racial characteristics of some of the characters and stuff like that. I mean, I'm certainly got an yeah. issue with with Iron Fist being. Uh, well, Iron, Iron, Iron Fist, Fist was always on, a white yeah. guy. The, the the what's her name is was not always a white woman. Yes, I'm just I'm, I am a little upset that there is this uh, sort of whitewashing happening. Period. You know, like they they sh- in this space. You know, like they really could change things with. These I characters. also they 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 American washed. Cumberbatch, because he has a fake American accent. Well, he has to. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just want to say, I think the movie looks interesting. It looks like a Marvel movie. Yeah. It looks like, you know, uh, looks fun like it's popcorn and stuff. In the stuff. Thor direction. Yeah, right? it's not all dark and depressing. Yeah. It's not Do You Bleed. But um, Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch's... Did you just call him Cumberbatch? Cumberbatch's... You call him Cumberbatch. Whatever. Cumberbatch's accent, his American accent, is terrible. Yeah, I love him as an actor. I've never heard him do an American accent before. Right, his American accent is terrible. So you got to work from on the that. trailer. Just from the trailer. Just at like, first, and my, I was I watched it in England with my sister and okay. her husband, and, the, and he's British. And, yeah. uh, and and at first they didn't realize. I'm like, 
They're like, oh, that's him? I'm like, yeah, that's him doing an American accent, and it sounds like crap. It doesn't even sound like him. He sounds like Daredevil, almost, in the trailer. Who's also hear him. another British guy. I think he's Australian. But yeah, he was doing a fake... That's Charlie Cox. He's not American, and he's doing an American yeah. accent. So yeah, Cumberbatch has got to work Irish. on that. Charlie Whatever. Cox is Irish. He's not, he's not American. Okay. He doesn't, ha- he doesn't speak the right way that we do. Still, so. excited <clears throat> for both of those movies, yeah. and that's both... In the fall of this year, fall yeah. winter of this uh, year. Also coming out fall this year, Fort Mac Dude P question mark mm-hmm. or no, that's his username. There's no question marks in his username. Okay, he he says Vic's thoughts on the Snowden movie trailer. Oh, that, that looks, also comes out this. That looks great. It looks you know show busy and and uh, sexy mood lighting and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, they, it's like they have to shoot everybody yeah. with weird shadows and lights, and, on and they make it look more like an action movie than like I've yeah. read the book and it's not. It's not as spy thrillery as the movie kind of makes it out to be. But I'm, a, I'm a Stone fan, though. I like. What I'm a with, big Oliver Stone fan. Yeah, we do, I love JFK. You and know, I, there and might be some weird sort of, you know, massaging of facts to to create a more he dramatic does that story. Bit, yeah, but I, I think he's just a compelling filmmaker. He's a good writer, and he, he knows how to yeah. compose a scene. And and uh, he I like that he mixes media. And I remember um, Natural Born Killers was a big deal because he was throwing in video sequences. And it's a good-looking movie, but I hate that movie. Yeah, overall. me too. It drove, drove me nuts. Um, it was disgusting. But, but the thing with Oliver Stone is it, it gets really tiring to be an Oliver Stone apologist. Yeah. Because I've been an Oliver Stone apologist for many years. Like, you saw Savages. Yes. You and Scott didn't like that didn't movie. Didn't like that at all. I really liked it, and I remember sitting there trying to defend it. Yeah. And just, it was really hard. Well, I think <laughs> he is better sort of attuned for because he's a guy with um, I think some pretty high moral principles and he's trying to create movies that make a difference in the world he, if it's more based on nonfiction, I think he has a he's got a better shot at building something that's going to resonate the way that he wants to I think if he's creating a fictional piece with that same level of uh, of uh, aspirational truth it doesn't always work, yeah. especially when you have something as silly as Savages. That was just a bunch of junk mm, to me. You know? I still like, liked it. It was, I don't know. But the Snowden movie looks really good. Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt, his voice sounds goofy in it. Sounds weird, yeah. But that's what Snowden sounds like, so I guess yeah. I can't blame him for that. I, he's such a lovable guy, that guy, right? Like he, Who, JGL? Yeah, I mean, he just throws himself into his work. You can't not love And him. into the community and into the, you know, like he's just, he just seems like goodwill. You know, so I, I'm I'm in. I'm on I'm on board with whatever that guy agrees to appear in, and I like <laughs> Snowden as well. I, I like what Snowden did. I think yeah. that that was. I, I'm uh, a big remarkable. fan of Edward Snowden, but I'm also a huge fan of uh, Stone. So and, and I'm, Spock I'm Spock psyched. is in the movie. I'm psyched. Zachary Quinto is in. That's Snowden. right. That's right. Nice shirt, so by the way. I'm happy about that. Uh, any uh, other questions? Yeah, Lee Jose, mm-hmm. uh, big news, wants to know our thoughts on the new Laura Croft casting. We were going to talk we, about that we today. We spoke about this in the rundown today. Yeah. It's uh, Alicia Vikander from Ex Machina. That was the first time I noticed this woman. Uh, not just because she's gorgeous in the movie and she's she's naked in the movie because she's supposed to be kind of a, uh, a you know robot built for whatever kind but of you, thing. But you, you never really see her bosoms. Well, she's she got puts, robot parts. She puts parts. on stuff, and and then it's it's I supposed to be remember. other skin. It's, I've seen the movie, but it's I, creepy. I, I, I watch the movie. That. Ex Machina is brilliant, and you have to see it. But she's I just remember all, uh, Oscar Isaac's dance. Oh yeah, he was nuts. So I can't do it. It was I'm so awesome. Away. It's such a great movie. But she was really amazing because she had to kind of embody, uh, you know, this android that that sort of uh, is self aware and. Uh, not accepting, kind of uh, almost like a replicant 
um, kind of vibe, you know? Yep. A little or a Cylon. Yeah. A little Cylon-like. Yeah. Cylon-esque. But, uh, yeah, definitely command the screen. Definitely has a sense of strength and power. She was also also pretty cool in Man From U.N.C.L.E., although that was all style over substance. Nothing was cool about that movie. I, I, I was... It was pretty to watch that movie. It was cool looking, but it was it wasn't. It was pretty flat. I was irritated, but she was uh, she was good. So I'm I'm psyched for her. I, it's surprising <laughs> that Daisy Daisy Ridley didn't get it. It mm. felt like the momentum was all kind of swaying in her way. But I'm I totally cool with Alicia Vikander. I'm, I'm not as smitten with Daisy Ridley's acting chops as most people are. Well, she's pretty young, right? Like she doesn't have tons and tons of work behind her. Alicia Vikander's been working. Alicia Vikander, I think, is a much better actress. It's interesting though that they're she's Swedish. And uh, they're, they're so they're casting a, a Swede for a Brit role, and they're casting Brits for uh, American superhero roles. It's almost like it doesn't matter; you just change the way you talk. It's true, right? It's but it is. It's a, it's it's proving uh, box office is international. I, I'm curious. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Take your time. <clears throat> this is excellent. Okay, I'm good. That's good. Um, okay. I'm curious about the role of Laura Croft. Laura, Laura, I just got in trouble. Yeah, Lara Croft because. She's not, especially in the early games, she's not a character. She's a pair of boobs that climbs stuff. Well, the, in the new game, she has some characterization. She's, yeah, she's in the new game, she has some characterization. But in the original yeah. games, she's not a character at all. She's just an object, basically. Well, they're going to just basically ignore that. Yeah, you so that, that's why I'm excited about this casting news. Because if they're going out of their way to get an Oscar-winning actress to play Lara Croft... Yeah. I keep saying it still. I'm still saying it wrong. Lara. Whatever. Yeah. To play Mrs. Croft. Yeah. To play the Tomb Raider. Ms. Whatever. To pray Frau, play Fraulein Croft. Um, Fraulein. If they're getting a, a, a accomplished, skilled actress to play her, then it means that they're going in the right direction with right. this movie, which I think is good. It's good. I mean, uh, we actually might have a great video game movie adaptation. And speaking of which... Which we still haven't had. Well, debatable that we've had it or not this weekend with Ratchet and Clank. It's not great... But it's it's good, you know, and I think the best thing that you can say about Ratchet and Clank, and my review is up there, and I go into a little more detail than I will here. But I think the best thing that you can say, I know the Rotten Tomatoes score, which you're calling out, Mister. I'm, I'm just bringing it's, up because I'm curious what it is. How shitty it is on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but the best thing that you can say about it, if you're a fan of the games and you like these characters, they're played by the same actors. There's a lot of the same kinds of. Uh, Oh my god, it only stuff. has 20. I know it's Oh no. I, well, nobody gets it, man. None of these movie critics are Okay, so fans let's talk let, let's hash this out. So you yeah. gave it a 7.5? Yeah. And it ha- currently has a 20. So why do you love it and everyone else hates it? Well, I I don't love it, but I think I do like it quite a bit. I, you know, there's a part of me that does love that it got made. There's a part of me that uh, is in love with this universe and these characters and I'm 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 uh, I'm smitten to use a phrase that you just used. Uh, with, with the idea that this is, this <laughs> is something that people can actually go to the movie theaters and check out right now. So you think but the I, fact that you're a ga- you like the games helped you like absolutely. the movie? Absolutely. If okay. I didn't know who these characters were, I would have less affinity for this, okay. for sure. It does work, though. It's a cohesive story that goes from the beginning to the end. I just think that they, uh, in an effort to... You know, reach more people with the franchise that not everybody is aware of. They had to cast Sylvester Stallone and Paul Giamatti and Bella Thorne, and none of those actors, as good as they are, really make any kind of significant contribution here. The the core of the franchise always working, the impeccable game mechanics that Insomniac's always been able to attach to this franchise, but also the relationship between Ratchet and Clank and Captain Quark have have has always been phenomenal 
you know, and it got progressively more interesting as the franchise moved on, and they got a little more, little more risk taking with the, uh, uh, with the the comedy and the storytelling that they had, and this kind of had to dumb it all down, go to origin story mode, and uh, also spread out the parts so that some of these more expensive <coughs> actors got some lines. And I, I don't know, I wanted more Clank, and I wanted more. Uh, more ratchet and clank. I think play. I think the inherent problem with video game movies, and it's also something that applies to, you know, <clears throat> movies based on a comic or a book or whatever, is that when you have it pre-established, you have fans who have it in their head the, an idea of what the movie should be and how good it should be. Sure. And then it will never live up to that. It's always going to be better in your head. You're always going to be able to create a better movie in your head than what is someone else is going to put on a well, screen. I would love to hear from viewers of this, but also viewers of the film and, and, and fans of the game, yeah. what they think. Because I think this will be a movie that fans of the game will really enjoy. I don't okay. think that they're going to be going, oh, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, this was not the ratchet. And I think they will be like, wow, that was actually a pretty good celebration of the origin story of Ratchet and Clank. That was cool. It could have been better. It could have been funnier. And uh, I wish that it was. But it's still pretty slick. Okay. Okay. So we'll ask them and see what they think of it yeah. once they see it next week. So yeah. other movies coming out this weekend. Are you smitten with the kitten? Uh, oh, uh, there's a That was terrible. That was That, that was, was the awful. whitest thing I've ever said. Uh, am but I smitten with Keanu? There's, there's a new movie called Keanu out. It's about a cat, and it stars Key and Peele yes. from Key and Peele. Yeah. And we ha you have a review of it also on, e on our channel. Yeah. Uh, uh, so what do you think? I love those guys. They're hilarious. You know, I, d I didn't watch the show. I mean, I've got a finite amount of time in my week, and I've got a million games and other movies and things to see. I, I, I'm not a fan of the, I don't watch the show either, but I've seen a lot of skits because it's a skit show. So people, yeah, people post share it all over it. the yeah, place. It's like Portlandia. I've never sat down and watched an episode, but that's, I've seen a lot of it. That's fun. But yeah, so yeah. back to Keanu. Yeah. Uh, but I love these guys. They, they totally charmed me. And every time that they were on screen, just like I said in the uh, review... I was giggling and laughing, and I, I couldn't believe how silly and, and crazy they, they played off of each other. They just, they have this rapport, this natural kind of chemistry that where they can trust each other and just go as bonkers as they want to on screen. You don't, you don't quite believe that they become these gangster dudes, and, and you can't really think that anybody would be fooled by them, but it's just all so silly and crazy that it, it does charm you. But every time they kind of leave the screen and they try to create tension and, and create a real sort of dramatic threat in the film. It just feels really kind of pathetic. But I, you know, the cat is funny as hell and cute as hell. So it's a comedy. Is it funny? Yeah. Yeah. It's, then it, it yeah, works. It, it's, it passes that six laugh rule, yeah. you know, but it's, but not by much, you know, it's not, it's not like bust out funniest thing I've ever seen type of uh, comedy, but it, uh, it was certainly charming and there are certainly some good laughs in this thing. And, and I love those guys, you know, and I, I, I met them at uh, Comic-Con a couple years ago, and I had no idea who the hell they were, because I hadn't watched the shows. I was working with Joel, our, our, our Los Shh, Angeles... don't tell anyone, because you faked well, it I, in the interview. No, I, I, I talked to them beforehand. I said, guys, I'm sorry, I've never watched the stuff, but let's find out about your new season and everything. Joel was a huge fan, our camera operator. He was like, you have to talk to those guys. They're awesome. And Jose's I, a big fan of them. Oh yeah, well. yeah, and I think Marissa loves them as well. And I mean, basically, all the cool people like them. They're, and yeah, they the, are the cool. Stuffy guys don't. <laughs> well, I, and I really dug them. You know, I really liked like having a conversation with them, and and uh, I can see, and, and now having you know, partaken in their film, it's 
it's not as strong a debut as I wanted for those guys, but I can understand why they're so popular, and I, I'm looking forward to whatever they got coming up. And then the third movie that comes out this weekend that you saw... Yeah, this is, is the one that is, everybody uh, Mother's Day, see. starring Jennifer Aniston. Amazing movie. And uh, Julia yeah. Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's uh, Green they have, Room. They have a gripping... Oh, yeah, no, it was Green Room. Green Room starring Captain Picard and the new Chekhov. That's right, Star Trek. Star Trek reference. Bing! bing, bing. Uh, yes, I didn't know what the hell to expect out of Green Room. I got a, uh, a text about it from uh, one of the local film reps that we work with all the time. I think basically like a day before or something saying there's a... there's this movie's coming you should check it out it's getting good buzz so I said okay I'll be there and it was a morning screening and uh, I was uh, basically holding vomit in for big chunks of the movie because it's very it's very gritty and and punishingly violent and and, so uh, I'm actually really upset that I missed the screening yes because I love depressing dark violent it's very that bad. Make, I like feeling yes. bad when I leave a movie theater. That's that, really they're, they're, not they're, a surprise. What was that movie with uh, Twilight Boy and uh, Guy Pierce? We saw oh it a couple God, years I hated ago. That movie, I don't know. It, it was, was some lost really depressing, in or something. really depressing yeah. movie. And so him bad. And, I saw it with Vic and Marissa, and they just left the theater so depressed. And I was like, Yay! I saw a depressing movie, and everyone feels bad now. Um, <laughs> no, that was but, terrible. But this, is, this was but depressing. You can't remember what it was called. I remember everything else about it. It was a junk movie. It was Guy Pierce looking for his car yeah. for two hours. Yeah. But but you so you were depressed by this, but you still enjoyed no, it. No, I, I was um, impressed, not depressed, but I was shocked. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was some fine acting, and uh, more than anything, though, it was very uh, sensory. Like you felt like the the bullets that happen in this movie all have weight and consequence, and every every. Uh, sort of interaction violent interact interaction between characters and or animals made you terrified and you felt it in your soul you know and that's uh that's hard to do in our des- desensitized society you know but i can see the other critics I'm all going ah, and squirming and and uh there's some like pre-surgery uh type of uh innards and stuff happening in this movie that make you uh Make you squeamish. So Make Captain me squeamish. Picard, Captain Picard gets his hands dirty. There are yes, there are some uh, some dirty hands to say the least in green room. But it, you know what? It was. I think the thing that was so evocative is that uh, it, we are following a uh, a punk band, and it looks like the actors really just kind of went for it. I mean, they're playing. It looks like they're really playing their instruments and trying to trying to be as loud and brassy and and obnoxious as they can with their music. And uh, we don't normally see stories like that. You know, they visit a. Um, um, uh, a bunch of neo-Nazis, a bunch of scary. Yeah, we should say what the plot of the movie is, basically, for people yeah. who don't know. It's I don't about, it's about too a, much. Well, uh, just in general terms. The okay. logline, it's a punk band, a punk rock band, and they... They get the worst gig in the world. They go and play a gig for these neo-Nazi skinhead people. Yep. That's why Patrick Stewart's in it, because he's not bald in real yep. life. It's because he's a skinhead. <laughs> um, and then they find a dead body in their green room. And then that's it. That's all we got to say. <clears throat> yeah, well, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know anything else. All, all um, hell breaks loose. And I just want to say I really love green rooms, like real-life green rooms. Green rooms are the area adjacent to a stage or a set yep. where they have free food. Yeah. And I love free food. Right. So green got rooms, you. whenever I get to go to a green room, I'm always very happy. Well, this, this will – uh, Like, they have coffee and stuff. This will make you wary of every green room that you might visit from no, now on. No, because there's, if there's free food, I'm not going to be wary at all. It doesn't okay. matter. Right. What, there could you. be ten dead bodies so. in there. If there's free food, I'm happy. <laughs> you, you would actually eat free food off of dead bodies? Not off of it. Jeez, uh, I'm not that gross. Okay, let's talk about Nintendo. 
What do you think? Yeah, talk about Nintendo. I'm just going to double-check my audio because people are saying that there's audio problems. So you, you talk about Nintendo. Okay. I'm just going to check. All right, audio. so Nintendo dropped the, uh, a bunch of bombs, I think, this week. We had uh, uh, the announcement that um, uh, the NX is coming out in March next year. We had the announcement that The Legend of Zelda for the Wii U is going to be multi-platform, so it'll be just like Twilight Princess was for the GameCube and the Wii. The, uh, the, uh, the new Zelda is going to be for the... Uh, um, Wii U and the NX and it's also been delayed till the launch of the NX console uh, now you can take that with a, a sense of oh that's great they get to just keep improving and make a better experience and a better game but I've, I don't know how much that is going to be true because they're going to show off this was the other bombshell that they dropped they're going to show off a playable build at E3 this year and it's going to be the only playable game that they're going to have at the show. I'm so back. Every, every stand, every television screen with the console in front of it at E3 is going to be, uh, is going to be uh, Legend of Zelda playable. Well, every screen at Nintendo's booth. And Nintendo's booth, yeah. By, by the way, so everyone let me know, how does my audio sound now? Okay. If it still sounds bad, let me know in the you sound, chat. You sound great to me. Sound, uh, well, thank you, awesome. Vic. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I'm a little... You know, obviously, I'm dismayed. I feel like it's it's a, a bad sign uh, for E3. I, I feel like this is an opportunity for Nintendo to come out with lots of information about all of the new stuff. They're saying that there will be no NX information at E3, which is another shocker. Um, I feel like Wii U owners are kind of being left out to dry in a lot of ways. And I feel like The Legend of Zelda probably would be ready for the Wii U by the end of this year and would give the existing Wii U audience something to look forward to for the holiday season but they got to wait all the way into 2017 and you know the that NX story better be freaking incredible to kind of turn the tide here you know like I felt like it was I mean it's great that all of this stuff is coming I'm excited I can't wait to see what Nintendo has in store for us but it felt like a lot of bad news with little sprinkling of good news. And I, the, I, don't, I, w I don't think any of it was bad. I think... I mean, okay, first of all, let's, let's, let's break this down. Okay, no. so Zelda yes. being delayed. People were upset that it was delayed. It's been delayed already. I feel like if, if they're going to have a playable build at E3, it's pretty much done. You know, they're, they're, they're exposing it and all of its flaws to a lot of people, especially if they're saying it's the only playable game. It, and it's no, an open world experience. I, I, this gives me confidence. If they're making it their only game, if they're putting it that front and center and putting the spotlight on it that much, it must mean it's good. Because look at Star Fox Zero. Star Fox Zero sucks. And that game was sort of buried. It, ne it was never front and center on any of Nintendo's announcements or Nintendo Directs wow. or anything. It was always an afterthought. So if they're putting Zelda this in front of the camera, it mu it ha they must be confident in it. And as far as the delay goes... Well, I would hope they'd be confident. And they've had tons it, it, of... It, it gives me confidence. They've had tons of time already on it, and it's been delayed already. You know? Yeah, but so they, they only they announced should, it, it a few years awesome. ago, and it's a big game. It should be awesome. It's the first Maybe, maybe they Zelda, shouldn't announce it the when they did. The first true Zelda experience for this machine. Mm. You know, we knew it was coming, yeah. and it's the first one. We've waited a long well, time for it. The only been out for three and a half years, Vic. Yeah, that's a lot of time. <laughs> Um, that it's this should be phenomenal. It's the first open world. I, yes, but, I know they'll and, and, use the time. And as far as but far as I the, think it'd be ready for Wii U. The fact that it's such year. a big game, it, they're allowed to delay it. And and for, as far as the delay goes, people are saying, "Oh, they're just doing it to sell the 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 NX." They well, are. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't believe that. Here's why: 
they they with Twilight Princess they did the same thing in 2006. They released Twilight Princess simultaneously on the GameCube and the Wii. Yeah. They released it at different times. It was released on one and then the other. Right. So they weren't afraid to do it one after the other then. Well, maybe what so that's what I would we're think they hear. would do the same thing. And if it was ready for the Wii U, they would want to have it out there for the holiday season. Because they're not going to have any big holiday season game now. Except if the NX doesn't have any launch titles. So it's like they're throwing no, the Wii they, U no, under but that's the what bus I'm saying, is so they, that they can sell... They the, would the, sell... No, they would want to sell... Because they want that quarter... Because there's a different quarterly statement that well, happens between Christmas tell, and Tell March. me how this is good news. They would want to have it out for Christmas... <clears throat> So it's good news because they're delaying it because it needs more time. They actually said in their press release that the developers need more time to polish <coughs> it, which I, I, I'm willing to take Nintendo at their word about that. Okay. I don't, in light of them releasing Twilight Princess at two different times, in light of the fact that it makes financial, uh, it's a financial <coughs> insanity to not release a game at Christmas, it makes me actually believe them that they're taking the extra time to make the game better, which is good that they're delaying it. I think the they're throwing the Wii U under the bus. The Wii U's already under the bus. It's been <coughs> all the all the bus tires have. Uh, it's been driven over by that bus by all the tires. It's it's a m red mush on the road. The Wii U's done. There's no there's no throwing the it under Zelda the bus game at this point. Is the strongest game that they have for the launch of the NX, and there's they had to push the spotlight onto Zelda for NX. So and they could not have an uh, that Zelda game come out earlier on the Wii U. Otherwise, it would have taken. Some of the spotlight away for the NX. No, I, I think so I think the they NX could come if it was ready. Ports of other Wii U titles and Zelda. If game. it was ready, so that means that it's from my perspective, it's a double bad news. If scenario. it was ready, they would release it on the Wii U and no, still and still have it as a big launch title for the NX. I, I don't think I don't think they have other games that are up to that caliber but, ready. But like for the I NX. said, with Twilight Princess, you can release it first on one console and it can still be a big launch title for your next console. Well. It doesn't say, matter. Like, if people who play it on the Wii U are, can play it again on the NX or the Wii No, but I'm whatever. telling you that people would buy it for the, for the Wii U and they wouldn't be excited about the NX if that was the only big launch title that they But had. no one's going to buy it for the Wii U because no one owns a Wii U. Right. <laughs> so they're throwing it under the bus now. They're, so they're basically killing that market. It's now. already been killed. Yes, market conditions have not been I, I favorable trust, for them. I trust but they've said though. they're basically killing it. They're basically saying, why would you buy a Wii U? But a lot of people have bought the Wii U to play the Zelda game. You know, The Zelda game was, re was uh, revealed as a Wii U experience, and now they have got to wait. And I feel like that, that doesn't bode well for the existing user base, even if it's small. And it doesn't bode well for the future user base of the NX gamer out there if this is their best launch game. And I feel like that's what's happening. And that's why they have to push everything until next March. No. For me, I that, that feels... Uh, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope, the, I hope the NX has got some great support and some really trailblazing software and it's going to launch with uh, you know five or six incredible new experiences that we've never seen before. I hope I'm dead wrong here, but I'm... I'm I'm shocked that that's the only playable game at E3 this year. I'm shocked that there won't be NX stuff in there. I'm shocked that Zelda got another, you know, six month delay. They're saving the NX for the Tokyo Game Show. They never go to the Tokyo Game Show. Is that, that true? Yeah, they 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 might have their own. Show so much I know. They've had the Space World thing way in the past, but they've they, they're going to do their own Nintendo Direct event, and maybe it'll be tied to some kind of retailer thing or 
some kind of arena thing. Oh yeah, and that's that's the other reason why it's not a big deal that they're scaling down and just having one game at E3 because they've been scaling down E3 for years. Yeah, I know. Because there's no benefit to having these big expensive press conferences. So the relevance of E3 and the existing, or you know, the the sort of consistent story that we've heard about E3 throughout the year with the publishers not being involved with it at all. I mean, Wargaming's not there. We we found out from those guys that. It just didn't matter because it's uh, they're they're a fully online experience and and E three is really just tied to retailers showing up. Yeah, like well, really that's what no E three is a trade show. It's that's all it is. Yeah, and E three is not adapting. They're basically letting packs kind of take that whole other sector of the business, the 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 public kind of opportunity to experience these soft these pieces of software uh, away from them. And that's what would solve this whole thing is if they just had a couple of days at least of uh, open to the public you yeah. know celebration they, and it's you know? like they already have the infrastructure in place they already have this big event hall rented out yes like yeah you know you're right so yeah i mean i, I heard all of that news <laughs> the, i think the the best news is that we're starting to sense that nintendo is going to release some big titles for mobile and i think that's that is something to get excited about i think being able to play fire emblem and animal crossing on your uh, on your phones uh, is going to be cool. I, I think they did a pretty good job with Mitomo. It's not amazing, but I it's think it's fun. a pretty nice piece of software. Here's the it's thing, fun. and this might be controversial. Yeah. Um, games like Fire Emblem <clears throat> and games like XCOM work better with a touch screen than they do with a controller or a mouse and keyboard. Well, because you can touch and put your finger on the grid and say, "I want my thing to go here," and blah blah blah, and move these guys, and I, it's easier with the same with tower defense games. It's easier with a touch screen. I would say so. You, that can, you can tear XCOM, me apart, internet. Go for it. XCOM on PC or Mac runs much better than XCOM on iPad, and I have them on all of the. It platforms. runs better, but I, I'm no, no. I'm but even the a, interface, mm. there's still t- because you're dealing with a lot of 3D camera control and and you know pinching and zooming and squishing and rotating and all that mm. stuff. It's still easier using a mouse and a keyboard on that specific game. I, I think that um, uh, touch controls on Fire Emblem should be fine because it's mostly been a uh, you know a two D sprite based experience, and if they kind of stick to that uh, that kind of model, I think it's going to be fine. But if you're repositioning cameras and rotating and doing spins and things like that, which they've done to kind of dress up the the turn based experience. Uh, it gets a little tricky, and I, sometimes having that sort of snap fidelity with uh, D pads and buttons and and um, yeah, mouse and keyboard is is better for those kinds of experiences. But I think they're gonna they're gonna do fine. And Animal Crossing, I think, will also be because yeah. it's a forgiving experience. Animal Crossing is, is easily the type of game that works well on mobile as well. Yes. J- j- not in terms of uh, controls, but the audience that plays it. Sure, I mean. Let's face it; it's little kids and and housewives who play games like Animal Crossing. I, so you didn't explain <laughs> to me what's what's good news about about Nintendo's news. Um, no, I, I mean I think it's good news that well, Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing are great ideas for mobile games. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that Zelda is being put front and center is good because it means they're confident in the game. I think that it being delayed is also good because <coughs> it means that they're t- they they are taking the extra time they need to make it good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I'm not uh, psyched about is the fact that the Wii U or the NX rather is missing the holiday 2016 season. But you know, I'm not the one who's going to be making money off it, so I don't give a shit. What I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, <coughs> what, I, I, I'm not as down about Nintendo <coughs> as as uh, as a lot of other people are right now. Well, I'm not down about them, and I'm not a big Nintendo fanboy. I don't even own a Wii U. I, I am a big Nintendo fanboy, and I just want the story to be. 
you know, amazing, and they're, they're and there to be just incredible news around all of this stuff. And, well, and the, there's uh, no story yet, though. They haven't even shown the thing off. Like Zelda? It, the, uh, and the and the <laughs> NX. Like you don't know. Like they could show the NX off when they show whenever they show it off, and it could blow us away. It could be bigger and get us more excited than the PS4 did when they first announced that. Like we don't. There's no story yet to get excited about. Yeah, really. I hope so. It's just it's kind of a deflating way to I mean we're we're launching into E three season, so it's a kind of a deflating way to, to get buzzed about That's what's fine. coming. E three season is lame. It's becoming lame for sure. What are people saying? Well people in the chat are kind of making me chuckle because they're giving suggestions of big games Nintendo could release this holiday season and it's all like Mario re releases. So it's yeah. like super duper Mario Maker. <laughs> <laughs> like um, Super Mario Galaxy H D, that kind of thing. I mean I, I, with funny like titles. are people gonna be stoked if the NX launches with the new Zelda game and that's the best game that they have for the machine. Like, I think I think most people are with you. Most people are kind of depressed, but I'm not. Yeah. Believe it or not, I'm actually the the hap- how am I not the cyn- how are you the cynical one about this? Uh, well, I'm not I'm not cynical. I'm just like you know, I'm kind of bummed out that that uh it's we've had this deflation, you know, around what could have been a like this should have been the NX E3. This should have been the E3 that we walked away from this conference going, oh my god, this is what Nintendo plans are. Realize because the PS4.5 is going to dominate the CP the C3. Nintendo knows that having all E3 is a giant. We've talked about this before. You, you all have these big, expensive press conferences, and it all just becomes noise that your game gets lost in. Yeah. So that's why it's smart not to have a press conference because it doesn't matter if you have one or not. You could just have a Nintendo Direct that gets watched online by the same exact number of people. And when you have all these different games, it all gets lost in the shuffle. So that's Dude, why Zelda being the only game makes it that much more apparent so it gets more coverage. Nintendo would have all of and that if they, and a big if press they conference the to NX, show off the If they announced the NX, it would get lost. stuff that we hadn't played before. If, if they announced the NX, it would get lost in the noise. time Nintendo fans. It would get lost in the noise. We to come out of that conference going, oh my God, Nintendo's back. They're taking it to them. You wanted to come out of a conference. Who cares about the conference? Who cares about the conference? We care about the business thing. that kind of story. The business needs, like, the, we, we should have been able to walk away from E3 going, oh, my God, man, games are back. Nintendo is back. Look at this Zelda. It's going to be incredible. Okay, we got to wait till March. No big deal. This, this NX is going to be amazing because it's different from the PlayStation 4.5 and whatever Xbox has got on it, up its sleeve. And it's not VR. It would get lost in the shuffle. You think? Yeah. You think just this way it gets to have its own spotlight. It gets well, this, to do their own thing way, on their own day, on their own time. It's backed into a corner. It's one game. They get and, to and the, it's look, look at it this way. Look at it this way. Get it. If Nintendo announced the NX at E3, mm-hmm. the big story of that day would not be NX announced. It would be NX announced plus this, plus this, plus this. When Nintendo does announce the NX, it'll be at its own event or its own Nintendo Direct or whatever a few months later or whenever. Yeah. And that'll be the one big story for that day. And it'll also and for the rest be of that week. Forever, and there won't be any other and it will bullshit. Forever to ever be referenced that they didn't announce it at E three. E three is irrelevant with the announcements E3, of whatever the PlayStation. This is 4. just another nail in the coffin, not for the NX, but for E three. Okay. E three is on its way out and has been for the last. That, well, I mean that honestly, that's also part of my vibe on this. I I don't like that that's happening. I I feel like. You know, any chance that this industry has to kind of celebrate itself, especially in the heart of Los Angeles like that, in the media capital of uh, the world, is a good thing. And it's and it's uh, it's being squandered and it's being kind of looked on as uh, 
as not worth people's time. And it's it's hard for me to reconcile that, man. I've spent 20 years going to this event, and it's been kind of a gaming mecca for me for so long. And now it's just like, meh. And uh, it sucks. And I feel like that shouldn't happen, you know? And I also wanted the NX earlier, and I wanted Zelda earlier. So, uh, you mentioned so that, there's that. You mentioned mm. earlier that Nintendo doesn't have a VR headset. Uh, Bebop Bigs Hot on YouTube just reminded us that they had the Virtual Boy. Yeah, thank it. you. I have two of them. Thank you for reminding yep. us about that. They're in the uh, the, the old uh, archive. Before we uh, <laughs> before we advance into onto our next next objective. Yes. Um, I should stop and point out that Bird Dog eighty nine mm-hmm. has told me that the movie we were talking about earlier with Guy Pearce and Robert Pattinson, yeah. Twilight Boy, is uh, called The Rover. The Rover, yeah. It's a very good movie and worth seeing if you like dark, depressing movies. It's terrible. Vic doesn't like you, it. You won't forget it, though. I will give you that. It's because it will it's bum a, you out a, and you'll walk away I like the, bu- the movies that bum you out. There's another movie I was talking about earlier today with our interns. Okay. The, the 2010 movie Splice with Adrian oh, Brody and Sarah Pauly. I love that it was movie. so cheesy. You gave it a zero, I think, or a awful. two, and I thought yeah. it was like a 10 oh, out of man. 10. Yeah. I love that yeah. movie. Because yeah. I like be, I like dark, depressing movies that mess we, with your head and have psychosexual have stuff. Opinions. It's good that we are all individual. <laughs> it's almost like beings. we're two different human beings. I know, it's great. Beings. Okay, so uh, we haven't talked about this. It's not really, you know, we don't talk about celebrity uh, deaths and things like oh, that Prince, too often. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Prince, I think, crosses a bunch of uh, boundaries. Yeah. He's, he's, he's an iconic individual. And it's, it's shattering that we lost Prince in the same uh, quarter that we lost David Bowie. Uh, and maybe doesn't mean as much to Yeah, I was you. never a big Prince fan, so it's like, eh. I was, and, and am, an enormous Prince fan. And w- what's been weird for me is when I was a kid, which, which is when Prince kind of rose to superstardom, my school was a tough school, you know? It was like a rock and roll school, and Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and all of those <laughs> bands were the... It's like uh, you were like uh, Sean Penn in... Uh... Fast Times at Richmond. Yeah, there was that was he was like he was like the the hero of that time, you know that kind of world that sort of. Uh, I just well, no, picture no, no, Sean, you, Sean Penn. No, was, he was the stoner. Yeah, he was the stoner. What was the? You know the one I mean the, the generic eighties. I have a leather jacket with yes. rhinestones in it. Probably there was a lot of that. Yeah, and I have big hair. And, and I had lots of friends, and you know I, I liked all of that music as well. But obviously, I was starting to become an actor, and I was listening to lots of soundtracks and stuff, and. And uh, I was getting into all kinds of music, lots of different types of music. And uh, I got early tickets to go see Purple Rain from uh, a local paper, a local paper here called the Georgia Strait. And uh, my brother and I went to see the movie, and we both were floored. We just couldn't believe what we had seen. And we got soundtrack CDs as part of the deal. And uh, just CDs back, back then, then they gave them. Did out. you even yeah. have a CD player? I had a CD player for wow. sure. Uh, and I just was over the moon with this guy and his music and this movie and uh, this this culture that I was completely oblivious to and uh, I felt kind of shy and embarrassed to kind of share that with people at school because everybody was still like listening to classic rock and and uh, you know lots of Led Zeppelin and Supertramp and and you know good fine music. much better bands by the way good music but uh, Prince was in a league of his own man and it was uh, he's okay it, yeah just but it, what it is, I mean, it is sad that he's dead. Oh, it's completely sad. But what he defined for me was the importance of just being yourself and just being able to express yourself any way that you can. And he really kind of broke down all kinds of uh, um, doors, all kinds of expectation type doors that we put on ourselves as human beings. And it was a big, 
you know, it was a big deal for me back in the 80s. You know, that was, uh, that was a good lesson for me to learn as a high school kid. And uh, I, so consequently, I, I stayed up on all of the Prince albums that were released. I, I picked them up all the time. I saw them live a few times. I saw them for the uh, Alphabet City Tour, I think. Um, and it was just incredible production, just an you know, amazing showman. I saw him when he was in his kind of jazz phase as well, and then I saw him again, I think, doing a, um, a sort of a recap on his, his greatest hits kind of sort of phase as well, uh, and watched a lot of the concert movies and, and his live event appearances and things like that. Just loved the dude, you know, yeah. and it, it it rocked my world. I found out about him passing away while we were on the uh, on the plane coming back from uh, from London. You were on the plane when you found out. Yeah. So how did you find out you had Wi Fi? They had Wi Fi on the plane that was <clears throat> only able to. I, I didn't want to pay the ten pounds an hour or whatever. It was some ludicrous amount of money, <laughs> but uh, it would allow you to just see basically a, your Facebook feed without any visuals or graphics or links to any other websites, but I could just see people talking about Prince passing away, and I was like, oh, my oh no. God, I can't believe it. It just, it, it was like a total The, the captain punch. didn't make an announcement over no, this thing? No, yeah. nobody announced. I, I did uh, talk with one of the, uh, the flight attendants, and, and uh, we both kind of commiserated, and I showed my wife that he had passed away, and we were just shocked and floored, and yeah. we were trying to, you know, get little bits and pieces of info as we were flying. And then landed and just saw this outpouring of, of emotion and, and uh, reflection. And, and um, you know, and since then, I, I've really kind of thought about how much Bowie and Prince gave to, to us culturally and just how unique they were. You know, these were, I, I know, and I, I posed the question on Twitter, and I know that you replied with Bob Dylan, but <laughs> I said, who, who, who is next? You know, it, it, well, Leonard Nimoy league, died earlier this year. No, I know there, there are individuals. There are definitely iconic individuals. When they pass, it's uh, that same kind of that same kind of tear in our uh, our sort of cultural fabric. But those two were just such giants. You know, they were just they they broke down barriers in so many different ways across different genres and and uh, just great. I, and I think it's because they were multi-threats. You know, they were actors and they were yeah. they were performers at varying different levels. They were solo acts, so people kind of knew them as individuals. And uh, it's it's been hard for me to think of other names that that have been as significant. You know, like Bob John Dylan. Lennon for sure. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, you Bob know. Dylan, uh, Paul McCartney. I think recently and L- stuff. Little but Richard. Yeah, I don't know. Elvis mm. Presley for El- sure. Elvis, mm. yeah. Even though he, I like he Elvis, appropriated but, yeah. a bunch of. He didn't. Uh, he wasn't really like. He was he, only he, that one genre. He was an icon though too. He was right? an icon, but and, he wasn't. He, he did Bowie. The, he did the, different. He did the movies and all that stuff. I mean, he broke down a lot. All of, his movies were rubbish. Though. Yeah, but he he broke down a lot of barriers for the world as well. You know, he kind of exemplified a a, a state of being of, yeah. of coolness yeah. and yeah. of uh, of rebellion and. But uh, Bowie and Prince, man. Like we, the world is is definitely uh, feeling their loss. Michael Jackson, I think, was one of those as well. Yeah, but by the time Michael Jackson died, he had gotten so weird. Well, he had tarnished <laughs> a lot, all of, uh, so much of the good work that he had, yeah. had put into the world with a lot of his uh, his antics. Yeah, alleged antics. Alleged, but you know what? I mean, that's kind of the beautiful thing about Bowie and Prince too is that they they didn't really have a lot of controversy outside of their sphere you know we didn't hear about them having all kinds of right. 
you know, crazy lawsuits and things like that. People weren't chasing them and, and doing tell-alls and, and uh, gossiping about them. Other than that, they're mysterious, you know? They're these mysterious creators. And I think that that's part of why it's so heavy that we lost them so close together, you know? It's yep. incredible. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, so who, who do you yeah. think is going to die next? Well, I don't want to play that game. That's a terrible. That's, that's the Deadpool game. I mean, it's got to be Keith Richards. Oh come on! But I mean, he's gonna you live. Are, he's gonna live to be 150. That guy. You were too. Much. I would say Dylan, because he's getting up there. But you know. Okay, this is a um, terrible game. This no, is, who do you? No, this, this game is, is fun, as though. terrible as waiting for a new Zelda game from, from <laughs> Nintendo. Okay, uh, what was that? What else was was um, a big deal that came out this week? Well, for news stories, uh, well, Gearbox uh, confirmed Borderlands Three. Okay, which great. we already knew they were making, yep. but they officially. Etched in stone, ironclad. It's there. It's coming. They said it's it's on the way. No shocker. No shocker. It might be called Borderlands Four. M- might come out before uh, the new Zelda game. Might come out. No, it won't. It'll be out. <laughs> they'd have announced it by now. Or they'd have shown a trailer and stuff by now. I'm just bummed. I love you, Nintendo. I love your machines. I love your games. I just I'm bummed. I wanted you to come out strong and be ferocious at E3 this year. This would be a, a good point to take a lightning round questions from sure. the chat. Yes. Chat if you have questions for us. Now is the time to answer. Yes, ask it's here. Them. We have to wait about 30 seconds for oh, yeah, them to okay. get you. We're, right. we're, they're 30 do, seconds behind. Do you have us. any questions? Anybody, uh, anybody uh, bringing up something? Well, someone earlier Drums. on YouTube called me a twat, so... I, I think that's a twat. Twat. Did he add an extra A? I say twat. Okay. Why is it twat? Twat. Yeah. Either way, the guy just said it's a dick. Elvis Costello. Yeah, I thought about Elvis Costello. I thought about, a, you know, I love Tom Waits. There's lots of these unique individuals out there, but they don't really cross Oh! Over. Aerosmith. Someone said Aerosmith. Uh, what's what's the lead? Stephen Tyler. He looks bad. Oh come on! <laughs> this is a morbid game. What's happening? Or this is such a morbid what game. That? Come on. Anybody um, got any questions or comments? It's still, still going to take still going to take a second for okay. To, uh, All right. All right. Oh, what are you going to play this weekend? Oh, what am I going to play? Uh, yeah. Probably GTA Five as always. Okay. Uh, Let's absent that. What else? You know, I still haven't played the Outer Rim content for Battlefront. Yeah. Even though I have it. Yes. And I bought the season pass and I still haven't played it. Right. Because I don't care because who wants to play as Nyen Nub? <laughs> Nobody likes Nyen Nub, EA. Are you waiting until... Uh, what were you thinking, EA? Nobody likes Nyen Nub. You're waiting for the Bespin stuff and then... Yeah, and I'll play... When La- when La- I'll pl- everyone wants to play as Lando so yeah, I'll play as Lando. When, I, when I, uh, I, I'll play you, as Chewbacca when it happens which, you know, they haven't announced but obviously Chewbacca is coming. You had to record some stuff using my uh, PlayStation account today. And so we were kicking each other off as two, two, two different PlayStations. So I was trying to play some Dark Souls 3. I'm so terrible at that goddamn game. Uh, but I am going to persevere a little bit more this weekend. But, uh, man, that division is, 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 uh, is addictive as hell. I must have that same disease that you had when you were just sucked into For Destiny. Uh, Destiny, yeah. Because yeah. I, I didn't get sucked I, It's just so division. compulsive. Like, you just get in, and it's like, oh, there's a phone. Okay, there's this. Oh, there's an encounter. Oh, I got to go do this. Okay, now I got to rescue this thing. Gotta, I, I had know. a bad experience with the division. I was playing with Mr. Precision yeah. and his brother, and they abandoned me. Oh, no. They fast traveled somewhere that I hadn't unlocked yet, and they just left me. Behind. Oh, and that just changed and everything. And I was like, in, standing there in the middle, shivering in the middle of New York, just like really cold. But then I was stoked because the hotel I stayed at last year when I went to New York is in the game. I, I was know. like, yeah, that's cool. Um, that's the other thing is the detail in that yeah. game is it, it really is amazing. Like all of the the stuff to kind of get lost. I mean, I. I I remain a fan. I know there's lots of people quibbling about all of the upgrades and the uh, and the cheats and the exploits and all that stuff. I haven't I haven't uh, 
progressed so far in the end game stuff that I have know how to cheat the thing and, and I'm freaked out about any of that stuff. I'm still just exploring it and digging it. I still think it's it's one of the great experiences. Are you digging so the changes to the loot system? Uh, I'm not really noticing. You're not high level enough to even Yeah, notice. I'm not really noticing. I'm just enjoying <laughs> the game. Okay, I have a question from the chat. Okay. 99250SF. Okay. Uh, 49 was taken. Okay. Uh, wants to know our thoughts on Warcraft. I assume it means the, oh, the, the Warcraft movie. movie. Right. Yes. The Warcraft movie directed by David Bowie's son. Yeah, or he might Or he might be asking about all the um, server things that Blizzard, Blizzard was doing today. Blizzard has been shutting down fan-made uh, servers oh, okay. uh, for, for people who want to play like the original version of Warcraft. Oh, wow. Uh, they set up the custom server and Blizzard's been shutting it down. It's a whole big controversy that I'm not really versed in because I'm not a big Warcraft right. player. But the movie looks... Eh. I think eh. it'll be fun. Eh. I think, I, you know, the thing about Duncan Jones is he's a, eh. he's a very smart filmmaker and I think he's going to approach it with the idea that it's uh, it should be a little quirky and cheesy and there should be um, a, a sense of lightheartedness around this, a self-awareness that it's based off of uh, a game property. So, you know, if it, if it connects with enough of the uh, the homages like Ratchet and Clank does, it, it's it's definitely sh- a, it should be a fun it's, it's definitely for a franchise that could work as a movie. I just don't yeah. know if this one's going to work. We just uh, have to Duncan care Jones, about I'm kind of iffy about. I didn't really care for Moon. I didn't really care for Source Code. Wow. Too Moon busy enjoying the rover. Yeah. Yeah. Moon wasn't quite depressing enough for me. Yeah, it was depressing. It was enough. a bit. Because I, I, I guessed the ending so in the first Source five code. minutes. So. Source Code is kind of lame. Yeah, all right. Um, Vic, are you excited for Homefront? Puppy pa- Patty's Pub Wildcard wants to know if you're excited for Homefront. I, I am hopeful for Homefront. I had a great uh, interview with uh, one of the one of the guys from Deep Silver there, and we posted a. I don't know if you watched it, but we posted a long, twenty minute kind of dive into what Homefront is going to be, and uh, I cut it and put together all of the pieces with the with the footage and all that stuff. So I got a nice kind of taste of the aspiration. The thing that makes me the most hopeful for Homefront is that it's a lot of the same people that worked on um, GoldenEye, and uh, then they went off and, and uh, oh Jesus, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. But they, rare? They, Did they, it was rare, but then they went off and started the um, uh, Time Splitters franchise. And so they, they've got a, uh, a, a, a real pedigree. And then um, they were involved with... Dam Buster? Well, it's Dam Buster now, but it's uh, they used to be... Uh, a different studio. They got involved with Crytek in the past, and it's using the Crytek engine. Wait, Google to the rescue. I'm figuring it out right now. Okay. Uh, Dambusters is what they're called now, but they're uh, made up of a bunch of um, people on on the chat are going to know exactly. Free, what free radical. Free radical. Yeah. Boom. Uh, so there's some excellent pedigree there, and they've been basically waiting for years. I knew that. I didn't Google it to launch a game, and this is that game. So it's kind of a a dopey. Um, IP, you know, the first game, the first Homefront game was not that great. It was okay. Um, it, it seemed a bit crazy that this was there was like any kind of a fever around buying the rights to this thing. Um, but the thing that excites me is I'm very hopeful that Dan Buster has built something really uh, fresh and fun and um, can stand up against some of the best shooters out there. And I played the beta and I was not impressed. I, you know, I tried. It was choppy and. 
I, I don't get why they're making a sequel to Homefront. Well, I think that's their biggest challenge when it comes. No one out. liked Homefront. Why not just make a new IP? I, I think people like the concept of Homefront yeah. because it's this idea of defending your. It's this ridiculous idea of North Korea being powerful enough to. Well, it's an alternate history. North Korea has children cutting the grass with scissors because they can't even build a lawnmower. They're not going to take over the continental U.S. <laughs> but I, it's a different North Korea, and I, I think yeah. that idea of of because America has never had an invading force occupy it. Is, uh, uh, well, red- it did in when when it became America, the yes. British invaded and sure. took over land that was being that had been lived on by Native Americans for okay. thousands. Yeah. Of they, years. they weren't calling it America. They invaded and occupied. It. Okay, uh, white people invaded I, and occupied. I, I, it. I agree, but uh, that's not this game. <laughs> but I think that it's uh, it's an interesting piece of fiction. It can be, you know, Red Dawn was not a great movie either time. But it was interesting. It's, it's an know, interesting idea. Evocative. I agree. So I'm hopeful <clears throat> that it hits on the fiction front, and I'm hopeful that it hits on the uh, tactile front from uh, from Dan Buster. I hope they deliver. Um, Jonathan Lee Dawkins wants to know, uh, or has pointed out that... Um, I'm almost over my cold. I'm sorry for sniffling. For I'm sorry for thing. giving it to you. Okay. Um, uh, Jonathan Lee Dawkins wants to know our thoughts on Lionhead Studios closing. They're now officially... Kaput. Shut down. They're oh, done. It's heartbreaking, man. It totally sucks. I've seen so many goddamn studios disappear. I, I can't believe it. You know, when I started EP, I thought that these companies would be permanent, and I'd be visiting them over and over and over again. And and uh, yep. it's been one shock after another. Like LucasArts still affects me because I have so many amazing memories of visiting the LucasArts developers and and shooting stories with them and. And uh, they're not there, you know. And Lionhead, I visited and, and talked with Peter and got a sense of... Like, Peter was an amazing guy to run that company the way that he did. He sat with everybody in the middle of the... Uh, you, you know, everybody had um, cubes, like cubicles. Uh, but there weren't offices. And he just sat with everybody, you know. And he was this guy that he'd been knighted already. But he was just with all of his pals uh, and and uh, the people that he really loved and respected making these great fable games, you know, mm-hmm. and I think they're the victim of Kinect, which sucks. Mm. Kinect was I, thrust on, on the business. Microsoft was so eager to make its revenue back on this huge, you know, potential paradigm shift in the way that we connect and, you know, pun intended, with uh, our, Par- why is our that experiences. A Pardon me? Why is that a pun? Paradigm shift. Connect. Connect. The way that we connect. Oh, I thought okay. Paradigm. Okay. Sorry. All right. Uh, Sorry. And Paradigm, another company that's bit the dust. <laughs> Rest in peace with Paradigm. I, I'm uh, just curious with Lionhead closing, what it means for Microsoft as a whole going forward. True. Because the, you, you have to look at, I can't help but look at it against the um, stuff that's come, that's happening at Microsoft right now. They have the new CEO. They're kind of, they shut down Microsoft Studios. It seems like they're moving away from console gaming, away from gaming in general because now everything's simultaneous windows 10 so it's like they're not putting all their gaming their eggs in the xbox gaming basket they might be moving and, away from hardware yeah and Lionhead's yeah. Lionhead closing might be part and parcel of that whole trend at the at, at the corporate level right now i'm not sure i don't know i mean xbox is still a very viable brand you know it's still a very strong oh brand, definitely yeah but right and but it's, it's, it, it seems like they're trimming the fat the way that a corporation does when they're 
Yeah. Concerned about the future. They have never been hesitant to do that. I mean, they got rid of uh, their football franchise, their golf stuff, the Crimson Skies guys, the Mecca Salt. There there's been a lot of a lot of those companies too where we would visit and then they're they're gone. It's kind of heartbreaking. There's no other way to frame it. It's just like God. I, yeah, it you does want there to be. I, I was actually really shocked when I read the story when I found out that Lionhead, like yeah. Lionhead of all studios, like it seemed like such an obvious, like Fable is such a it's like Halo, Gears, and then Fable for for the Xbox, Dude, right? Dude, the fact that there's no Westwood, you know, the fact that there's no uh, pandemic, the fact that there's no uh, uh, propaganda. I mean, there's just been studio after studio. Relic? That, or no, Relic still. Relic's right? Radical, going. Radical. Yeah, Radical. Or, yeah. yeah, the guys who did uh, The fact there's no Westwood in Las, Ve- in Las Vegas, you know, yeah. like Command & Conquer guy. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's shocking. Um and rest in peace, Lionhead. You made us some amazing games. Those Fable games were just absolutely incredible. Black and white was cool. Um, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Yep. Uh, Last question? Let, let's find something uplifting to talk sure, about. Sure, yes. I'm just going to scroll through the chat to find something uplifting. Okay. Uh, this is the exciting uh, portion of the stream where I look, where we try, we sit around and try to think about something to talk about. Um, Uh, someone's talking about the War of 1812. That's exciting. Do you want to talk about the War of no. 1812? No. Okay. No. Well, you can think of something. It's not all on me right now. Uh, <laughs> what movies am I going to watch? Uh, I'm going to watch Deadpool with uh, with my wife, I think. Oh, yeah, weekend. that's out now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Out, on, it's out on... Uh, Brilliant. It's digital. Uh, and I think uh, if you're a Ratchet fan, you should go and check out the ga- uh, the movie, and you should play the game, because the game's incredible. I hope people are playing that thing. It's amazing. Which game? Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Yeah, it's candy. I agree. Uh, and I'll be playing uh, <laughs> Enter the Gungeon. Um, I think Severed is probably going to be in my queue oh, to here, be reviewed. Oh, here's something uplifting to talk about. Sorry. And Dirt. People are asking yes. us our thoughts on Mafia 3. Because uh, that's the most uplifting thing in the world. Mafia guys shooting people in the backs of trunks. Well, I'll tell you what's uplifting about that. One of the LucasArts alumni and uh, a great fellow... Hayden Blackman uh, is running, uh, I think it's Hangar 13, uh, out of uh, San Rafael. I love that guy. He uh, went off to write some comic books. He's a very creative, big part of the the reason why um, uh, Force Unleashed was so fantastic, that first one. Um, The first one. Got to put that uh, caveat in there. Yeah, no, but he he has been a part of some really great things in the past. So the fact that he's a big part of the creative kind of shepherding of Mafia 3 excites me. Uh, I didn't get into Mafia 2. Mafia 1 was amazing. That was a game, I remember Tommy and I reviewing it on the PC going, holy shit, games look like this now? This is insane. I remember playing that on the PC and just being, because I had already played GTA 3 yeah. at that point, but it just looked so much better than GTA 3. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was like, a, wow, was this incredible. looks really good. So now, you know, obviously, it's interesting, right? Like, Take-Two's got this internal competition between Red Dead, which we're probably going to find out about soon, and, and Grand Theft Auto and uh, Mafia all in I, that space. With Mafia 3, I'm excited about the fact that the, the, the setting and the time period, it's in the late early 70s, yeah. just after Vietnam in New Orleans, yeah. which I think is a cool yeah. time and place. And it's a, it's a black guy, yeah. not an Italian mafia guy. Yeah, so mi- it's, it's still organized place, crime, yeah. but not at the Italian mafia. Yes. I th- and I think that's interesting. I think that's an interesting direction to go in. I can't wait. Uh, Okay, someone asked about Game of Thrones. We should probably talk about oh, that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, the first... been, we haven't been on uh, to do this in a long yeah. time. Okay, My, yeah. I, I don't watch Thrones. Game of Thrones, so this is all going to be uh, you. Season 6, Episode 1, 
I want to. We didn't do the uh, the loot crates. I guess we should do that too. Do you want to do this right now? Sure. I'll grab the loot crates while you talk. Okay. About Game of Thrones, uh, fantastic premiere. Um, if uh, you haven't watched it, I'm not going to spoil too much about it. But uh, we're starting to understand a little bit about the ramifications of uh, what happened with a, a certain Mr. Snow, um, and uh, it, it it's not completely kind of uh, answered, uh, but we're going to know soon. Um, uh, but I just thought that there was an, a sense of urgency. One of my favorite scenes um, was when uh, Brienne of Tarth, uh, and I always fuck up the names. I'm going to fuck up the names. But uh, yeah, Well, you, you're fooling me because I never watched okay, the show. Well, so Brienne of Tarth basically lays the, the sword down uh, at Sansa's feet after she's rescued her. And it was just an incredible sequence, and I loved it, and I just love the the truthfulness and the, and the, 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 the emotional kind of weight of uh, of what was going on in that sequence was was great and it feels like everything is just ratcheting forward we've got a uh, a blind Arya Stark who's uh, training kind of like Daredevil now which is kind of crazy uh, and um, uh, we're, ch- we're chasing after Daenerys who's who's hooked up with a bunch of uh, of uh, uh, I, f- I forget the name of the the horse tribe um <laughs> <laughs> But and it, you think I'm a nerd for liking Star Trek? Oh, but this is—it overcomes you. Like I don't know, I don't, I didn't read the books, and I don't know every character's name to get every single detail. There's so many different plots and stuff like that. But by the time you're into seasons of this, you are just overcome with all of these, these narrative, uh, you know, paths and and directions, and these incredibly cool characters, and the uh, intrigue, and the and the feuding, and and, and the the backstory stuff. Um, you know, I'd think by season six I'd know everybody's names, but I don't. Uh, but I still love it. I loved every second of it. I thought it was a very, very strong cool. season six. But I feel like the best thing about it is that I can see the end of the runway. I can see that they're moving to a resolution with some pace and some urgency. The thing that like great. the thing that's great. interesting about the new season is that it's the first season not based on one of the books. Yes, because the book hasn't been written yes. yet. So. Before, if you were a big Game of Thrones fan, you could just read the book and you would know pretty much what was going to happen. Now yeah. it's like you have no idea. So, Okay, one of the things that's happening, uh, speaking of nerdy stuff, is uh, Loot Crate is... Uh, oh, and we didn't talk about the Punisher series on Netflix. No, God, there has been a we're, ton. We're really excited about that. It's yes. in the rundown today, So, but we're, obviously we're excited about John it. John Bernthal just kills it at the beginning of Daredevil Season 2. He's so good, you know? Oh, this uh, is awesome, this... Cardboard uh, tube that came with a poster. I don't know if I stuck it back in. There. Oh, there's oh, a I poster did. in it. Yes, oh, okay. there's a, it's there's not a, just a cardboard. You tube. get a free cardboard tube. So Luke Crate's sending me uh, <laughs> packs every month, and I've talked about a, about them. I think a little bit, and I've had them on uh, my Instagram and stuff. But uh, now, what it. what is Loot Crate for those of us? Loot Crate know. is a um, it, it, they bundle up a bunch of uh, nerd friendly goods into a uh, into a box, and they ship it out. You get a um, uh, a subscription. You pay for a subscription and they send you stuff every month. And they have a and bunch of like, different versions. It's a bunch of random stuff from different things. And it's yes. like a loot crate in a game. Exactly. This, t- this t-shirt you got from a loot crate, didn't you? Yeah. And you gave it to me. Yes, I, I did. Like Star Trek. Yes. Uh, and they have different varietals of the loot crate boxes. And I, I, yeah. I'm going to screw it up here. But I think this is, the, this is the standard one, if there is such a thing as a standard one. But it's kind of a, a quest. That's the theme. They theme every box every... Every uh, month, this is my favorite part of this box. It is the uh, Labyrinth T-shirt. 
and it has David Featuring, Bowie in there. Uh, King, King Gareth, or yeah. God, whatever the hell his name is. Speaking the of Goblin David, King. David Bowie, which is kind of cool. They, dance they throw in magic. A, a magazine every uh, every box to kind of give you a, an idea of this, the uh, the products that are in there, but also the stories behind why they were chosen. Um, did you show people the poster? Yes. Okay, it's so Uncharted. the Uncharted 4 poster, which is cool. This is crazy, and uh, you're welcome to have it because I, I know I will never use it. What is it? It is. Um, oh, good! I get something. You you can it's have a, a horn to a drink out of. Flashlight. Yeah, it's a flashlight. Or, uh, or a flashlight and a dildo at the yeah, same time. Whatever you need, man. You seem very comfortable with it. Okay, so you can throw <laughs> you can throw this. This Friday, I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> there you go. I got you a toy. I got you a sex toy for It's a bit all sharp, Friday. though. It's a bit sharp. Okay. So there, you can put this over your head, and on Sunday night you can you can watch your Game of Thrones. Is it from Game of Thrones? I don't know. It's just some weird. Uh, it would say on it, wouldn't it's it? It's from Chronicle or something. Vikings, of course. Vikings. It's tied to Vikings. Oh yeah, the you Vikings can have a Vikings uh, mead horn. I don't want that. You can have it. Okay. <laughs> See, my problem with Loot Crate is like some of the stuff is cool, but some of it's lame. Yeah, you're gonna end up. I would rather just buy the thing that I want, want right. just by itself. Okay, this is crazy. This is I'll a D twenty. I'll show it off. Ice cube. Um, it's a uh, chiller thing. You throw you throw in water and then you stick that into the freezer and then you get a, a, a big ice cube that looks like it looks a, like a really small chastity cage. Uh, what well, looks like <laughs> to go with you. your to go with the uh, <laughs> to go with the uh, okay. I'll stop at that. The flashlight. Okay. Uh, no, but the, you you freeze this and then you get a big ice cube that looks like a a twenty sided dice. For, uh, die. Or the, die. Sing- the singular is die. Okay, and then they have loot pins every month. This one. Why would you want to play? Why would you want to roll ice dice? Well, it's just to show you put that in your scotch glass all... and you say, okay. you know, you wouldn't I, actually I could be playing. You couldn't actually Dungeons really use dragons it. right Unless now. Unless you didn't put water, you put something like. But I'm drinking the scotch, watching uh, some Game of Thrones. Uh, Harry Potter socks, uh, which uh, you're welcome to have, or if one of uh, our friends uh, there or Carlo wants, they can have that. Um, but I'm keeping the uh, I'm keeping the uh, labyrinth shirt and the uncharted poster. This was not my favorite of the loot crate collections. This one I think is one of the weaker ones that I've received. Uh, but it's like a loot crate in Destiny. It's nothing that you want. Well, sometimes they're great, but the, this one not so great. I'm gonna give this loot crate box I'd say probably about a five out of ten well the box itself I would give very low marks to because it's all tattered and yeah the, but they do do some cool things with the boxes with so, the so now we're moving on to loot crate number two this one is more video game centric and this one has some cooler stuff in it um, is that a Star Trek t-shirt is it uh, it's actually Trek. I'm not sure so first thing it has is a is a uh, mirrors edge edge uh, digital watch and I don't know how to use it but I like it. It's super thin, and uh, you, you have the LEDs that actually stick stick out of. Uh, they actually shine through the rubber coating, oh, which that's is kind of cool. cool. It's, it, there's nothing on it, and then you press it. Yes, it has what it has. It has the tattoo of Faith on there. The same tattoo that Faith has in there. There is a. Uh, and my daughter's yeah, so so my daughter's already claimed this already. But this is a uh, Resident Evil toque with the stars raccoon police department uh, badge on it which is kind of rad uh, but Ruby's going to be wearing that so she's going to be wearing an M-rated games uh, toque this uh, holiday season or next winter um, this is a Bioshock t-shirt oh, that's bio- I thought it was Star Trek for a second it's pretty rad too and uh, this is I think everything's Star Trek this is going into my collection and it'll probably end up on the show um, and uh, let's see what else oh this is kind of rad I would give this to you, but you've done nothing but dog the game. So this is this is a uh, metal T 
tin uh, piece of uh, concept art from Fallout 4, which is cool. And I think one of my favorite pieces in here is they actually have a, um, a division goodie. How many times is this going to crash? It's not going to crash. Just a piece of tin, my friend. Tin art. Cynical. What is that? Uh, this is a USB gun. Um, 16, 16, shaped like a gun. It's shaped like a gun. But it has uh, some stuff that you can actually unlock in the game, which is pretty cool. And, uh, and there's a, a, a reusable USB dongle on there for 16 gigs. So... Much better stuff in this one. That's the box for the, the thing. Um, I like this one, this box a lot. Still not my favorite of the uh, of the loot crates that I've received. I think my favorite stuff is when I received a uh, an old solo uh, uh, from Star Wars uh, Funko Pop and Star Wars um, pajamas, which I've actually started to wear. My, my favorite was when you received this T-shirt. And you like that T-shirt? Yes. <clears throat> this is one of my favorite episodes. One of the best ones. Awesome. Well, Mirror. this. This it's after box. there's a transporter accident and it sends the crew of the Enterprise. It splits them, or no, it's, it sends them to a parallel universe oh, no where everyone is evil. That's crazy. And everyone has a beard. So Spock has a beard and he's evil Spock. This one I think they're calling Metro <coughs> uh, Loot Gaming. It gets a, uh, an 8 out of 10. So that's solid. And this one's just a regular Loot Crate quest. So there you go. Thank you, Loot Crate. Cool stuff. Uh, and I think that's it. I think... Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm just looking at the chat. I think we, I think we talked about everything. We've been, we hit a lot of stuff. We've been very efficient today. We are out of town next week, though, so I guess this is good. We're going to be, yeah, uh, we're going to be literally on an airplane this time next yeah, week. Well, in back. transit, right? Yeah. So we probably won't have a Vic's basement next week, Thursday because, and Friday. Because for those who missed the beginning, we're going to be uh, at covering the Battlefield event, where Woo! the next Battlefield game is being announced a week from now. You think so we're going to be there. Think it's going to be a World War One game? Yeah, that's the rumor. Is it's going to be World War One? That'd be crazy. World War One is a hard time to make it yes. into a game, but it, you could it could work. Yeah. Very violent. All right, you guys have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks thank for coming, for everybody. Watching. I don't and have to uh, get up and turn it off anymore because we have interns to do it. Thank, thank you guys for watching all of this and and uh, watching our backs through this. Everybody have an awesome weekend. Okay, promise. Stitcher. Stitcher.